This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. Special people, they go through things in life to make them who they are. An extra push, and that's what makes them great. If you never face adversity, you're never going to have that extra hunger to take it to the next level. With me, a lot of wisdom came with age. Because there's only three ways you can learn, hearing, seeing, and doing. You live and you learn. There's a feeling of satisfaction that you get from winning, from conquering, from achieving your goal. There's nothing I won't give up for those 12 rounds. I've got a heart, I've got determination. If we have to get down and dirty, I'll go to the trenches. My dad has always taught us to keep moving because you can always do it better. Work, work, we don't get to work. When I hurt you and I challenge you, do you have the heart to continue? Ali said it best. Suffer now and live the rest of your life like a king. You have to be the best fighter you can be. And you prepared your whole life to be that. Gentlemen. Let's do this. This is something I thought we would never see in our lifetime. This ain't about tactics. This is about heart. This is about who you are. Two of the best unified, the welterweight titles. Welcome to the final Fight Disciples podcast of 2017. This is our review of the year. We throw all our boxing knowledge and UFC knowledge into one big pot, give it a big stir, and hopefully come up with some answers to these questions. What was the fight of the last 12 months? Who was the fighter that stood out the most? Which knockout impressed you? And which one moment stands out as the moment? of 2017 with all that in the back of your head please get involved with our social medias as we're asking you your opinion as well at fight disciples on facebook twitter and 
Instagram. Take part in our polls and we'll dish out some awards before this year is done. Without any further ado, though, let's get straight to it. What happened in January and February? Let's have a reminder. year was quite a weird start in the world of boxing particularly because off the back of 2016 yep. we had an absolute booming year we had countless amounts of world champions our fighter of the year that we had in our poll last year the jackal yeah well he finished second in our poll conor mcgregor ended up winning it our 2016 fight disciples fighter yeah. of the year he but was our boxer of the year absolutely it? ring magazine boxer of the year all that type of stuff and he was the man coming off the back of the first leo santa cruz fight Going into the second one, tail up. He's our talisman. He's going to start January off with an absolute boom. And then Leo Santa Cruz turns up and gives us a little bit of a different showing. It was a totally different Leo Santa Cruz and upset yeah. the apple cart. Big time. If you throw on top of that, James DeGale, the super fight that we're all expecting from him against Badu Jack, that ends up in a, a brutal draw. Yeah. January kind of was like... A stutter. Yeah, it was like it was buffering. And yeah. you're thinking to yourself, oh, what's going to happen here? It just didn't get going, did yeah. it? And do you know what? That, for me, that kind of span out through the rest of the year. Yet we had some amazing moments. Mm. But I think 2017, when we look back on it historically, it, it has been a kind of a weird year, especially for British boxing. We, we ended 2016 going, fucking hell, British boxing's taking over the world, man. <laughs> Woo, 13 world champions, all that shit. We end 2017 with a... Very small collection of world champions now. Two or three left. Everyone else has either been stripped or they've lost their belts and mm. everything. We're in a weird place. 2017 has been very much a transitional year. I think we've seen a lot of new talents come to the ring, yeah. which bodes well for 2019, 2020. The future is certainly looking super exciting. But right here, right now, I think we had a bit of a reality check. I think world boxing 
came up at the end at the beginning of 2017 like January proved yeah. and smacked us on the arse a little bit this year mm. well it smacked uh, Lee Selby on the arse all year really didn't God, it yeah. because if you remember he was supposed to be on the undercard of Frampton yeah that's right and then his fight fell off at the weigh-in yeah and it's just been a shit year all year's been shit hasn't it he's lost he, well he's lost out on fights he hasn't yeah. really fought anybody of any proper note and now we're in a situation where 2017's gone by. He's still the champ, but he hasn't done anything. Done nothing. So 2018's massive for him now. He has to really kick on, and we're anticipating a fight with Josh Warrington and Carl Frampton next year to cement that kid's legacy. Absolutely. You know, and he's got to do that. You know, it's uh, unfortunately lost his mum, as we know, in a couple of days and then run up to, to a fight and everything else. Lee Selby, more than anybody, will want to put 2017 behind him. I think he can be kind of thankful that he's still world champion. But he's kind of like the world champion. We we personally, and we've spoken about this before, we personally believe on his day. He's the best. He could be the best featherweight on the planet. Yeah, yeah. But he needs a massive year. Thankfully, it looks like it's being set up for him. And, you know, I think the Warrington fight leaves perfectly into Frampton. But hopefully, uh, if the Sowlands listen to what the fans want and what we want, a featherweight version of the World Boxing Super Series, Lee Selby could end 2018 in the best position possible. Other things that disappointed us in January and February. Uh, Chris Eubank Jr. started his tenure on ITV box office. Yeah. No, listen, ain't knocking <laughs> Eubank Jr. No, not so. Fucking brilliant. It's been great. And <laughs> it's only going to get better. What I am going to knock is ITV boxing. Yeah. Come on, guys. Play the fucking game. No, absolutely, man. Uh, Scott Quigg left Joe Gallagher in January to move to uh, Freddie, sorry, February to uh, Freddie Roach's wildcard gym. And to upset my fellow uh, Scouse compadre here, um, one of our best mates on our Fight Disciples podcast, yeah. um, Pricey was in action on that. You well, your undercard against Christian Hammer. He, he wasn't in action. He, he just didn't, didn't turn he up. Did, he did didn't he? turn up. No, he didn't turn up. And as you say, by the time February, by the time February come to a close, you're a bit like, what the fuck? This was supposed to be amazing. Mm. This year was supposed to be let's build on 2016 and really take over world boxing. Mm. And we're just two months into this year so far. And we've had a bit of a nightmare. The Brits have. But yeah. there, are, there are two little cherries that I want to bring out for January, February. Yeah. First of all, even though he kind of has ended the year as a bit of a douche, started the year brilliantly. Javonta Davis. Yeah. Came to the party. Young Boxer of the Year, 2017. <sighs> so, oh, bloody horses, sunshine. Uh, That's at the end of the show. He's got to be right up That's there. That's at the end of the he's show. got to be considered. Uh, Javonta Davis announced himself as a potential star, demolishing Jose Pedraza. He became the IBF super featherweight title holder. Um, and the other cherry is the long-awaited return of Mikey Garcia. Yeah. Now, Mikey wow. Garcia is a shout for fighter of the year. We'll get Big to this time. later on because... He's come back, different weight category, Dejan's Latichichinin, however you want to pronounce his name, Latikanin, and has probably created one of the knockouts of the year mm -hmm. in this particular month. It was absolutely unbelievable. Great to see him back. And now we're talking about potential fights with him and Jorge Linares for 2018. Yeah. Definitely the comeback of the year, I'd say. Mikey Garcia. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's been phenomenal to watch us ride again and... Let's be honest, he, he completely fell out of relevance with the sport. That time away, talk about forget someone. We didn't even exists. know who he was. Yeah, no, yeah. He come back with that slick hair, but yeah. with his hair all gelled back. Yeah, yeah. Looking like fucking Emery Chan out the Liverpool midfield. And I thought, where's your pencil beard gone? Your Literally, but, when we first seen him, I'm like, Mikey Garcia. And it was like, wait a minute. Aren't you the kid from the two weights? It's the same guy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Who was a world champion of two weights below. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's back and he's a badass. He was brilliant, wasn't he? Yeah, man. 2018, this year as well. What a hell of a journey he's going to be on. Uh, massive fan. Great to see him back. 
And uh, yeah, good show. We're going to get to box at the, the end of the show. Yeah, all right. Okay, calm yourself well, down. Well, let's. You know, he's in the brackets. He's okay. in the folder. All right. So January, February was a bit shit. However, March and April was something else. started this show all doom and gloom saying that uh, the Brits didn't really live up to expectation at the start of the year I think it's only fair that we go a little bit OTT and crazy in March and April because I'm going to be honest with you Nick March and April we peaked this is where we spunked our lord all over the gaff because for the rest of the year as you've rightfully said there's been a bit of a stutter there's been a bit of a buffer yeah uh, on quite a lot of fighters and fights in particular Britain's British base there's been some great international ones which we'll get to later on in the show uh, but in March and April this is where we came to the party, mainly because, one, our mate upset the apple cart, yep. and two, we probably saw the best ever heavyweight title clash in front of 90,000 at Wembley. We'll start in March, though, and we will start with Bellew, because everybody said he wouldn't do it. Eh? They wouldn't do it, lad! What are you fight disciples dickheads talking about? Yep. We told you so. He did it in style as well, and he did it exactly how he said he was going to do it. He said he would make David Hay quit. That's why in the entire build-up he was saying... Get your excuses in now, David. Don't be quitting on me. Don't be quitting on me. And he ended up quitting before he got punched through the ropes. And uh, magnificent. Uh, the only the only disappointment about this whole thing now is that we're not sitting here a couple of days removed from the second fight. Yeah. We're adding on to the narrative of what, for, for me, was one of the fights of the year from 2017. We should be able to talk about part two right now. It didn't happen last weekend, but we are able to look back, as you say, on, on March's fight and what a phenomenal moment in the career of Tony Bellew. Mm. And British boxing, you know, it was like the world stopped to watch that fight. It made global audience and it was a, in, incredibly entertaining fight as well yeah. whichever way you look at it it had everything it was a complete roller coaster mm. it was on great our, on our Radio City talk show which Nick hosts um, Bellew wins Scouse 
Fighter of the Year yep. with the illustrious panel that is on that show. If you haven't listened to it yet, go and have a little bit of a nosy uh, on there. It's available on our website, fightdisciples.com. And, we've, you know, we might have to put him in the mix for maybe overall Fighter of the Year. That's coming up a little bit later on in the show, all right? Um, on that same card that night, uh, by the way, a little bit of disappointment for another scouser. Derry Matthews called it a day after he was defeated by O'Hara Davis, a good friend of our show. He's a great boy, doing some wonderful things for the community of Liverpool, which you attended as well recently. He's yep. disabled boxing academy, and he's looking for more premises now to take this to the next level, isn't he? And we wish him all the best with that. He's a top kid, is Derry. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was talking to him on uh, just the weekend past, actually, and thankfully the Lord made a live pool. Looks like they're going to put their hand in their pockets. And listen, Derry wants to take this thing nationally as well, and I'm sure if it works nationally, then who knows, it could even go globally. But mm. phenomenal things he's doing. We wish him well in retirement. Let's get back to the heavyweights, please. No, wait, 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 hang on. I want to finish with that because that's the cherry on top of this moment. March and April, I'm dragging it out because it's the best two months of the year. All right, mate. <laughs> uh, Keith Thurman recorded a split decision over Danny Garcia. He uh, got himself the WBC strap to add to his WBA version at welterweight. Is he your favourite welterweight at this moment in time, Keith Thurman? Uh, or are we going to Terence Crawford yet? Or all right, hold your horses. Okay, oh, yeah. he's not fought at welterweight yet. So yes, Keith Thurman is my okay. favourite welterweight after Jeff Horn. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael Conlon made his pro debut at Madison Square Garden uh, overshadowed slightly by a certain other Irishman from the world of the UFC mm-hmm. who was uh, making a, a, the ring walk entrance with the Irish Tricolor. Yeah, unfortunately and- I wouldn't be the last we were going to see of Conor McGregor. You know what I keep saying unfortunately I loved Mayweather McGregor have you gone to August already? I loved it. To be fair, the narrative started here, didn't it? Did. It did, big time start. Because yeah. he is boxing. Because I am boxing. Right. When he started attacking the, the boxing press bench, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. This is where the narrative to that story began. So, But what? just on Michael Conlon, though, what a year he's had. Yeah. What a journey that kid's been on. Yeah. Potential young boxer of the year, maybe. He's headlined in Madison Square Garden, headlined in Chicago, been on massive undercards. Lomachenko, chief support. Lom- Pacquiao, Pacquiao, Pacquiao chief support over in Brisbane. What a phenomenal year for Michael Conlon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Triple G kept his WBA, WBC and IBF world middleweight titles uh, after beating Daniel Jacobs unanimously, which I contested because I genuinely believe that Daniel Jacobs won that fight. Um, the On the undercard, by the way, uh, a, a new rising star. I mean, I kind of written off this division that Chocolatito was the man, but he was absolutely put in a proper war with Rung Visay and he was ended up fighting him again later on in the year and getting knocked out. Absolutely one of, could be one of the fights of the year. That We'll put that on our poll maybe a little bit later on. It was hey, a brilliant fight, wasn't it? Categorically as well, and uh, honestly, I will throw you out of this studio. Rung Visay, 100% shortlisted for Boxer of the Year. Do you reckon? 100%. All right, calm set. Why did you get aggressive then? We haven't even got to that part of the show. Chill, all right. Uh, Jorge Linares beat Anthony Crawler again. Liam Smith and Liam Williams went at it toe to toe and ended controversially. And uh, Indongo took uh, Ricky Burns to school in Scotland, something mm-hmm. that we didn't necessarily think that he could do. We knew no. he could punch, but he took him to school that night, didn't he? Absolutely took him to school, you know, and uh, it set him up obviously for that big unification super fight and, you know, knock Ricky Burns back a little bit. Uh, big fight for Ricky Burns, hopefully still to come in 2018. But just to come back to Williams versus Smith, obviously that was part one. Yeah. of a two-parter that we've seen this year. It kind of put the rest of the super welterweight division domestically on hold a little bit, but we finally got a winner towards the end of the year of Liam Smith, and hopefully he now gets a shot at uh, Ali for the full world title belt after he beat Cotto. So uh, we needed to see both of those fights, didn't we? And hopefully Liam Williams bounces back himself. I want to see Liam Williams in back in title action, maybe up at Euro- European level, 2018. Mm. Mm. 
Um, now then, April finished with probably the best heavyweight clash that we have seen in recent times. I was there. Nick wasn't. There was a reason because this particular day is very, very prominent and very close to the fight disciples are. This was the night that we were crowned best sports podcast in the UK. And at this point, I'd just like to thank you for downloading, writing, subscribing, whatever you've done over the last year to keep this thing going. We thoroughly appreciate it. And thank you very much to all the judges that decided that we were the kings of the castle. And the king of the castle in Wembley that night was Anthony Joshua. What a performance, mate. We said, going into this fight, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Questions. We need some questions answering. What are you all about, son? Six round, flat on his ass. He answered the questions, in my opinion. It was outstanding, and it was a phenomenal heavyweight fight. Um, I had to watch it back the next day, the next morning, straight away, sober, because obviously uh, <laughs> I went and collected the award, and we did scissor, paper, stone, didn't we? And yeah, you yeah, went yeah. one way, and I went the other, and... I collected the award on the free booze all night. and uh, Yeah, I noticed, I noticed. Yeah, I, I came back got... from Wembley going, right, lads, we're going out. <laughs> and I was in my underpants. Yeah, exactly. I'm fucked, mate. I'm you fucked. Mi- you missed the party. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it did answer a lot of questions. And yes, we'd seen Klitschko lose to, to Tyson Fury beforehand. But for me, that Klitschko against Tyson Fury wasn't the same Klitschko that fought Anthony Joshua. The Klitschko that fought Anthony Joshua was probably the best Klitschko we've seen in a long time. He was right on it, and he truly believed he was going to win that fight. And at one point, he looked like he was going to win it as well when when Anthony hit the floor. But, man, Anthony Joshua proved that night, not only does he look the part, not only does he walk the walk, but he can take a shot on the chin. He knows how to dig deep. He knows how to tough it out in tough rounds. And just to watch him become a genuine great British fighter mm. in that moment was just an absolute spectacle to watch. And right there and right then you thought, fuck me, we've got the kid. We've got the guy that potentially succeeds Mayweather as being the biggest star in boxing. Bigger than Canelo, bigger than Triple G. Anthony Joshua, the road that he's on now with that performance against Klitschko, this sets him up now for the next few years to become the biggest star this sport has seen. Now, our UFC fans, our UFC fans have obviously been getting in contact with the show thinking, when are you going to give us a little bit of a review of all the things that have been happening in the world of UFC? Well, the reason why we didn't mention him in January, February, and the reason why we didn't mention him so far in March and April is because fuck all happened in the UFC at the start of the year. It was such a terrible start of the year. For example, I'm just going to mention UFC 209, March 4th, right? Wonderboy, Woodley 2. Yeah. Do you really want us to talk about that? No, you don't want us to talk about that. The pay-per-views were a bit of a letdown at the start of the year. We had Cormier versus Johnson 2, where Johnson ended up bottling it and not getting involved, yep. which was an absolute shame. It was all the fight night cards that were living up to it, the Curitiba cards and versus things and, and, and little things like that. It didn't really get going until later on in the year. I suppose we could go UFC London in March where Jimmy Manawa sparked out Corey Anderson with an absolute killer left hook. That's probably the highlight of the first four months from our point of view in the world yeah. of UFC, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't until, as you say, a little bit later in the year when uh, when Holloway beat Aldo in the summer. That's when the UFC really kicked in for me uh, uh, in 2017. So wait till June. That's yeah. when that yeah. happened. So the, back first, in June. Yeah, the first half of the year was shit, but the, the second half really got going. So that's where we're going to be going next. Errol Spence Jr. is the one 
who's had much more success in the last few minutes. Oh, Calvert's hurt here, and he's down in the 10th round, and it's so early. And it was an accumulation, and that eye is terrible as well for Calvert. Is he running on empty now? I couldn't see, and I knew that he were a very sharp shooter, a very good fighter, Errol Spence. And I knew that it could be fatal with it, with some of the shots he was chucking. So I went to one knee and I tried to tried to get my eye to come back, you know, back in line, and it wasn't happening. So I got up and I looked at Dom and, and Dom. We know each other. He got up and and uh, the fight was over. There's a long time left in the round, and he's got to hold on here. The big Russian and Ward has a major breakthrough. Look how Ward frees his hands out of him. Kovalev in massive trouble as Andre Ward. Look at the skill of Andre Ward, freeing his hands when he's trying to be helped. Left hand here, Kovalev's got to show strength and steel because few predicted Ward by knockout, but that might become reality. Kovalev is tottering and teetering on his feet and there's 38 seconds in the round. It's been stopped. No, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. From a British point of view, uh, during May and June, um, bittersweet because I suppose the uh, the signpost is Bramall Lane in May, where we all look towards Kel Brook coming of age against Errol Spence Jr. Yeah. Now, he's my favourite welterweight at this moment in time, he's Errol Spence, mainly because of what he did on this particular night. He was yeah. absolutely sensational. He brought Kel's heart and he made him pack it in in the 11th round. I say bittersweet because on the undercard, at the fourth time of asking, George Groves becomes a world champion against Feder Tudinoff. Fair play to him. I'm delighted for George because you said, if I'm right, not right, well, if I'm not wrong, you said this, off the back of that win, finally we got to see what the real George Groves is all about. Not as a fighter, but as a man. His post-fight interview afterwards was absolutely sensational. It was like a weight of the world had been lifted off his shoulders. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, you just felt like all that hard work. He's a weird character, George Grove. He's such a nice lad when you get him one-to-one and stuff. But he, he, he understands the game in that he realises that to make a success in this sport, you really do need to have a, a public persona and a private one. But unfortunately, his public one is quite grating. And I don't mean that in a in a in a good way, i.e. Tyson Fury, Tony Bell, you mm. you either love him or you hate him. I think George Groves' public his ring persona generally grates everybody up the wrong way. No one can you can't really take to him because it feels forced. It feels like a personality. And I thought for the first time here after Chudinov, because he was so emotional, we got to see the real George Groves. And funnily enough, just a couple of you know, a couple of weeks ago, we just got to see the real James De Gale when he lost, and he was half felt, and he went on social media and and wore his heart on his sleeve. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That's a guy we can connect with, and I feel the same with George Groves. It's like we haven't got a big connection with him as as fight fans until he beat Chudinov, and then suddenly you went, oh wow, that's the real you. That's what you're all about. Like I really like you. So it was great that he announced himself to the world that night, and you know, it obviously sets himself up for the early trophy, which I'm sure will come on later, later in the in the breakdown. But you can't get away from what this night was all about, and it was supposed to be our Kelbrook coming back to welterweight and proving to the world that he still mattered at the 147 seven pound division, 
and Earl Spence Jr. Like you were warned by all the experts in America, they all said Earl Spence Jr. will take him apart, and he did. Well, this is the kid that they was telling us from America that he's been in Mayweather's gym. He's schooled Mayweather in training. He yeah. showed Mayweather a little bit of a thing or two at 147 pounds. Kel coming off the back of the Triple G fight where he had a bust eye socket, an orbital bone in his eye. Um, and then he's gone and done the other one in this particular fight, which we found out latterly. That's obviously going to play on his mind psychologically. Yeah, It's going to be tough for Kel now. Really, really tough. That He knows that every time he goes into a ding-dong, that could happen. And when it does happen, is he going to pack it in again? Um, he's got a fight coming up with Rubchenko mm-hmm. at £154. He stepped up in weight. I'm glad that he's done that because he looked absolutely gaunt getting down to 147 yeah. after fighting. It was a mistake going up two weights and trying to go back down two weights. Yeah, absolutely. You know, fucking hell. If, if uh, Roy Jones Jr., one of the best to ever do it, couldn't do it, mm. then I think it was foolhardy for Kel Brook to think and he could do it. Um, I'm looking forward to what he's going to do at 154. Absolutely. And I hope, absolutely. I hope he's all right upstairs. If he isn't yeah. right upstairs, he's still a, a massive, massive uh, potential threat at £154. And I bet you he's never had as many options in front of him in his career than he's had right now mm. because suddenly he looks... Two losses on the spin. He looks, like a, he, looks, he looks like an accident waiting to happen if you're a young, hungry, or even a world champion at the moment. So I think Rabchenko's his first feeling out at light middle. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, straight away, I'm expecting a world title fight because I don't think um, there'll be a lot of world champions out there terrified about Kell Brook right mm. now. Uh, one of my potential nominees uh, for Fighter of the Year is Ryan Burnett. He, Absolutely. He became world champion beating Lee Haskins. Uh, in June of this year. Sensational performance for him, becoming the IBF Bantamweight World Champion. Um, internationally, though, that's where the majority of the talking points were over these uh, couple of months. Canelo uh, took Chavez Jr. to school in the Battle of Mexico, absolutely battered him from pillar to post. That fight will be remembered for, because of the picture at the end of the fight where Triple G gets in the ring for the showdown. That fight was announced directly after the fight, if you remember. Also, if you remember... Um, Leon Lawson Jr. Do you remember the name? He's the uncle of Andre Durrell, the shithouse that oh, disgracefully yeah. attacked Jose Katagui after the Venezuelan had been uh, disqualified against his nephew. Um, I can also tell you that at the end of this mo- end of the month of June um, was part two of Andre Ward versus Sergei Kovalev, my doppelganger. Uh, and again, uh, Andre Ward came through, this time stopping him within the eighth round, uh, leaving no doubt who the main man was at light heavyweight. I say it was because he's packed it in now, which is a bit of a shame. It is a shame, absolutely, because, you know, there was talk and real talk as well was actually going on for a fight with Tony Bellew uh, up at Cruiserweight. So, with, you know, the back end of this year. So that would have been phenomenal had it happened. But for me, that's got to go down as one of the fights of the year, uh, Kovalev versus Ward. Um, just because Ward proved himself, you know, there was no questions left after that second fight, the knockout, the whole narrative going into it, you know, with the, the was the first fight, you know, because people were so divided over the first fight and everything else. Um, for me, that was one of the best moments of 2017. Just a shame he's gone out, but you know what? What a lucky guy to be able to go out at the top. Not many champions get to do that. And, Undefeated. Uh, unbeaten. Olympics. Exactly. Medals galore. Two weight, undisputed galore. champion in two different weight 31. divisions. 31. Still a good looking bastard. Yeah, bastard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair play to him. Andre Ward finishes us off uh, in June. Internationally, it was brilliant. British domestically, Ryan Burnett probably takes it here. Yeah, absolutely. Ryan Burnett, for me, is, um, you know, he's, he's got to be shortlisted for Boxer of the Year. I don't think there's much 
question about him being British Box of the Year. I know AJ's had a phenomenal year beating Klitschko, and you know I'll probably give AJ the biggest moment of the year. But for me, Ryan Burnett, when it comes to best the British stands alone, became a world champion, then unified the belt later in the year as well, on home turf. He's had a phenomenal year. Um, you know, I, I truly believe he'd struggle against Haskins. I then actually thought he would, uh, he'd bitten off more than he could chew against Triple Z in Belfast in October. But he, he's, he's more than lived up to his, his billing as the best bantamweight in the world. And 2018, while there's more super fights out there for him, uh, the thing is now, are we going to talk about this kid moving up to Super Bantam potentially as well, becoming a, a two-weight world champion? Because mm. he can't put a fist wrong at Bantamweight. So, phenomenal year he's had. July and August, the circus was coming to town. Dana White alluded to what the public is demanding. It's primarily what they talk about. But in the boxing community, you have folks within that community that feel it's an insult for a guy like Floyd Money Mayweather to give an opportunity to a UFC fighter who's never been in the boxing ring. The lack of respect for the discipline is astonishing to me. People just think they're getting in and just wildly throwing punches. Floyd's been doing this since he's a baby. Conor McGregor's wanted first professional fight you're going to beat Floyd Mayweather it's absurd first of all this isn't one of those things where we put together some type of crazy fight for no reason this is a fight that the fans demanded the fans wanted to see this fight it's the most talked about fight on the planet right now and it will be the biggest fight ever in the history of two people punching each other does this mic work Now, the month started uh, with living legend Manny Pacquiao getting rolled over, down under, by the underdog that is Jeff Owen. Nobody knew who he was. A lot of people thought that he was a better teacher than he was boxer. I'd still go by that, but 51,000 people witnessed in Brisbane uh, a wee bit of an upset. Lots yeah. of people gave us Biggest shit. upset of the year, was that? I'd say so. Probably. 
I'd say so. Mm. A lot of people are still disgruntled about it because they thought that he got done by the judges. He didn't. We, no. We're telling you straight. He Jeff Owen won the fight. Yep. Fair play to him, Sunshine, and become the WBO welterweight champion. He's not going to hold it for long because Terence Crawford's coming up in 2018. So that's that. If he fucking turns over Terence Crawford, that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, that, that's different levels. That yeah. would be unbelievable. A uh, little special mention here for Hiroto Kayaguchi. He set a new Japanese record becoming world champion 15 months after turning pro. Mikey Garcia moved up in weight. Uh, unanimously outscored Adrian Brauner. And August saw quite a few legends retiring. Vladimir Klitschko called it a day and put an end to uh, him, AJ Part 2. Yep. Uh, Juan Manuel Marquez retired. Tim Bradley, Shane Mosley was amongst them as well. Carl Frampton split with the McGuigans, which was a little bit of a surprise. Miguel Cotto became world champion for the sixth time. And Badu Jack blasted Nathan Cleverly into retirement. That was, of course, on the undercard of the circus, which I'm going to get to in a minute. Uh, but Terence Crawford became the first man since 2005 to be classed as the undisputed champion of the world, unifying the super lightweight division, knocking out Julius Ndongo. Let's start there before we go to the circus, because what an achievement that is. In a world and in a sport that is absolutely dominated by politics, yeah. to get all four belts on the line at one point and then to win them is something special. Yeah, exactly. Um, didn't he? Was he the first one since Taylor? Was it Jermaine Taylor? Two thousand and five. Yeah. Yeah. In any so, weight category, this is yeah. Yeah, and this is not something that we see. Obviously, we don't see it regularly. It is so difficult. You've got to genuinely prove yourself to be the best in the planet in your weight class to be able to huddle all these organisations together. We talk about it all the time, about people getting stripped and titles taken off them because governing bodies are jostling for position. They want to. They want to prove themselves to be the best to do it is such an incredible feat um, and financially it costs so much money to pay all these governing bodies every time you fight. That probably costs them six figures just to have all those belts on the line, which is why most champions don't keep all the belts forever because every belt needs a sanctioning fee every time you fight. So there's the financial implications, but to be able to do that and to categorically go in that period of time, he was the greatest man of that weight class walking the earth. Phenomenal. I'd love to see more of it. And it's a shame that when you do that, Suddenly, all the belts just don't weld into one, and you just become Shitting. the undisputed super tech. <laughs> like in a computer game. Oh, you've clocked it. There's only one belt in that weight division now. Everyone else, fuck off. That's it. That would be amazing if we could. Mm. And speaking of fuck off, we don't want to see any of these crossbreeds again. We've enjoyed it. We had a right old ding dong at the end of Listen, August. We, we enjoyed it. We had a good we fun. Did a, we did a, a six part mate. series. It fucking smashed it for us. We had great numbers. We had a good time. The guys, fans loved it. We had a good time. Mayweather McGregor, we had a good time. Mainly because of the press rollout, okay? That was all good. The fight. Okay, it's not going to go down as one of the all-time greatest, but it wasn't unwatchable. I quite mm -hmm. enjoyed it. I was on yeah. the end of my seat. It was all good. Two pound-for-pound pound giants. Uh, Pay-per-view gi uh, giants as well, uh, going toe-to-toe -to -toe in the world of boxing. For a brief moment, they stopped the world. Yeah, That's good. Let's all part company now. Let's, you go back to the UFC. Yeah. You go into retirement. Everybody's happy. Job done. You've made your money. Let's not do this again. No. Agreed? Well, that was the plan. But unfortunately, the world... Is it revolves around money and unfortunately it seems like we are far from done with mm. this hybrid thing you know and obviously the latest is Mayweather's took Motown in a billion dollars by having a couple of fights in the UFC and obviously Conor McGregor's being inundated with offers from the likes of Oscar De La Hoya and Manny Pacquiao we have not seen the last of Conor McGregor in a boxing ring that's for sure um, let's just hope that the world gets a bit of a reality check because listen I've got no problem about UFC guys jumping over to boxing and boxing guys jumping over to UFC. 
but let's call a spade a spade. If a guy goes over, he shouldn't go straight necessarily into a world title fight. And it certainly shouldn't be spun into some kind of super fight with a multi-tour. You know, Floyd Mayweather against Conor McGregor, we all knew was only going to end one way. But it was the story behind it, the circus. It was it was great while it lasted because it was what it was. It was a one-off circus event. I don't want to see it anymore. Do I want to see Stipe Miocic, the UFC heavyweight champion, go over and have a good fight at a heavyweight? Well, I certainly wouldn't. I would like to see it, see how good he is. Do I think he fights Anthony Joshua next? No, <laughs> not mm. even close. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So uh, obviously there's too much money in boxing to see much of a crossover the other way, but I certainly wouldn't be upset about seeing, and we joked about it, Manny Pacquiao going to have an MMA fight because we haven't really seen that crossover. We've seen it years ago. I was there. I was in Boston many years ago when James Tony fought Randy Couture. I was front row and centre. But the sport's changed a lot and athletes have changed a lot and I'd like to see if Manny Pacquiao was going to do a full camp and whatever else. I don't know, I'd be interested in that. I'd be interested in it. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it is it's fucking weird. weird. Mm. I feel uh, like you're falling down a murky black hole when you're it talking is. about I feel, it again. I feel no. dirty. I'm going to go and have a wash in bleach. Yeah, no, is yeah. what I'm going to go and do. Um, now, we didn't mention in June Aldo uh, Holloway. The reason why we didn't mention it is because they've obviously fought again later on in the year. So we wanted to round it all up at once later yeah. on, just in case you're tuning in going, ah, why are you not going crazy on Max Holloway becoming the champ? Listen, don't worry. We've got it covered later on. It's just because he did it again. And I think the second one's even more impressive than the first one. Yeah. We'll get to that later on, okay? Uh, but in the world of UFC, because let's be honest, for the first half of the year, it was pretty shit. It was pretty shit. There's a bit of a transition. Now it starts to get going. As I just mentioned there, Aldo beat Holloway in June to become the champ. And then you've got a few other fights that really, really caught our imagination. One of which being that little Australian fella called Bobby Knuckles when he absolutely tanked Yo Romero. How good was that, mate? It How was... good was that? Because in the narrative, for those that don't know, was Yo Romero Bisping. This yep. was for the interim belt in the middleweight division. Bisping wasn't fighting, all right? And it was Yo Romero's going to win this. Then he's got to, he has to fight Bisping next. Yep. And let's be honest, he's an animal. And he'd have probably ragged old Bisping all over the gaff. That's the score. We didn't want that to happen. This little Australian fella didn't want it to happen either. And he rocked up and spanked Romero all over the gaff. There's a new king in the middleweight division, and his name's Bobby Knuckles. It was class, and it was really, that was the kind of the crowning moment for me for Bobby Knuckles, where where you thought, you know, this this former welterweight, this Australian guy that, you know, was moved up in, in, in weight class, but looks a lot smaller, and can he live with them and stuff like that? Suddenly, not only was he, you know, living with these middleweights, but he was beating the shit out of them as well. Yo Romero, probably the most dodge man in this middleweight division. Yeah. Bisping did everything he possibly could so he didn't have to fight Yo Romero. This was supposed to be Romero, you know, his big performance where he stopped this young Australian kid and, you know, drew a line in the sand. Hey, you're Mike! Right, that's it. You're Mike! Bring me Bisping kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And Whitaker just completely and utterly tore up the script and emerged for me as the best middleweight on the planet in 2017. Mm. Uh, now, the good, the bad and the fucking ugly of John Jones now in July uh, because we all got dead excited. He's just been out for a year, yeah? He got popped. He's been out for a year. He's coming straight back and he wants the belt. There was so much good chat, so much good chat, so yeah. many great press conferences, so many great captions. Honda Centre in Hanaheim is where we were going on July the 29th for UFC 214. Top of the bill, it was Cormier versus Jones. And Jones rolled oh, back the years. Fucking brilliant, Head kicks it? galore, finishes, 
galore. Tears in the octagon, apologies. Everybody's buzzing. We have a new light heavyweight champion of the world. Oh, hang on. No, we don't. He's failed a fucking drug test again. What are you doing, Barnes? What are you doing? I still Looking back on it now, it still, it still makes me feel physically sick because it was such a moment where you thought, wow, that's it. Like, let's stop the bullshit. Let's stop all the talk about Anderson Silva or Fedor or fucking Demetrius Johnson nonsense. This is the best guy to ever do it. This is the best guy this sport's ever seen. He's a phenomenal talent. Does what he wants, when he wants. He proved a massive point against Cormier by knocking him out midway through that third round. It was just absolutely vintage stuff. And as you say, the pain from a fan's perspective of going, yeah, the kid's fucked. He's he's on juice again, yet again. That was such so soul-destroying. Because, you know, I talk about this a lot because John Jones is this generation. And... This is my generation, if you like. I'm as into this sport as anybody could possibly be. And I wanted to be that fucking grand, talking to my grandkids in 40, 50 years' time or whatever, saying, I saw John Listen, Jones. son, let me tell you about the time I was ringside and John Jones did this, this, and this. That guy was the bollocks. And for him to fail yet another drug test is so. I don't know, now, you know, there was this time when I was obsessed with John Jones in regards to his drug tests and everything else, and I was going, you know what? Fuck it. He was on coke. Fuck it, he was doing this. Fuck it, he was doing that. As long as you're not cheating, as long as you're just doing shit recreationally, if you're sleeping with prostitutes and putting coke up your nose but still being world champion, I can live with that. I'm like, you know what? The guy's a dick. Get over it. Mike Tyson was a, was a nasty prick as well that, did, that had it all wrong outside the ring. But when he's in there, he turns it on. He's, he's a talent. And I could live with that. I wanted. I was happy John Jones being the heel. I was happy he was the bad guy. But across the line when it's cheating, across the line when you're taking steroids and you're taking drugs because... People's lives are at risk every time you step into a ring or an octagon. And if you're taking drugs and getting inside, putting and strapping a pair of leather gloves on and punching somebody in the face, as far as I'm concerned, you're putting their lives in jeopardy now. It's not like a running track. It's not like a fucking cycle track or whatever it may be. You're punching somebody in the face. And if you're taking drugs, then you are deliberately putting their life at risk. Mm. And for that reason, I hope John Jones... You know, yet again, it's dragging out. They're talking about tainted supplements, tainted meat from China, all this other bullshit. At the end of the day, there ain't smoke without fire. He's failed two tests now, in my opinion. No fighter with two test failures should ever be allowed to fight again. I'm sure he will be allowed to fight again. And I'm sure in six months' time, in 2018, when he's doing whatever... You know, I'll be eating these words and kind of going, oh, the greatest is back again, but there's no getting away from it. Two failed drug tests doesn't look good. It's hard to see, to treat this guy like anything but a cheat these days. A couple of days ago, one of the major newspapers in the country wrote the obligatory boxing is dead column. The conversation continues to build between Canelo Alvarez and Triple G. The next major super fight is clearly on the horizon. Exactly how dead is this sport? I don't see a way around the Triple G fight at this point. There's a momentum that's taken on a life of its own. Now it's time for him to take the risk. I've never seen a vanquished opponent and his trainer. Fighters should fight each other. Call out the guy who just beat them. He got to fight Triple G. To fight another guy in the division. I've never even heard of it. 
but that's how the boxing world is feeling about this. You can see how much it bothers Canelo. There's a guy ringside watching this fight tonight. You invited him to the ring? Why? I invited him into the ring, like we say in Mexico. We don't fuck around. to tell Canelo. Good luck in September. La suerte es para los mediocres, my friend. Now after the circus, the real boxing super fight came to town. It was Canelo, it was Triple G. Uh, however, controversy creates cash and we are set to do this all over again in 2018. Remember them? Adelaide Bird. We'll get to her in a minute. Uh, September saw the start of the World Boxing Super Series. Luke Campbell proved that he belongs at world boxing uh, level, uh, losing a split decision to Jorge Linares. Josie Parker beat Huey Fury in a clash that failed to catch fire. Eubank Jr. and Grove set up mouth-watering semi-finals in the WBSS after both impressively uh, coming through their respective quarter-finals. In the Battle of Britain, Crawler defeated three-weight world champion Burns to keep himself relevant in the lightweight division. Ryan Burnett created history, as we mentioned a little earlier on, unifying the bantamweight division. And this is one that we're just going to go crazy about. In the world of UFC, Darren Till announced himself to the world by knocking out legend Cowboy Cerrone in Gdansk, Poland. There really was murder on Gdansk floor. My prospects of last year, by the way, uh, fellow namesake Catterall, Jack Catterall became British champion, making me really good at what I do. <laughs> <laughs> he beat Tyron Nurse, uh, but the month once again belonged to AJ. We out even an opponent that the average man on the street didn't even know. He sold 78,000 tickets in Cardiff, which was ridiculous. Fair play to the kid. Uh, shall we start with the one right at the top of the shop? Triple G Canelo, mate. To be fair, let's forget Adelaide Bird for a minute. Yeah, fuck her, yeah. What a great fight. It was a brilliant fight. Absolutely brilliant. And... Um, you know, we were, we were told this was going to be a super fight for the ages, and I feel like it delivered on that too. I think that's the only good thing about the the, the poor scoring of it, you know. Uh, I think coming out of it now and on reflection, the media aftermath and now in reflection as well, I think most fans believe Triple G won that fight unless you live in Mexico. Um, <laughs> I would love to see part two. It worries me that they haven't confirmed part two for Cinco de Mayo just yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because... You know, there's certainly some unfinished business there. But After Billy Joe's fantastic performance, there might be a little exactly. bit of a sidestep. He could well get in. Surely this fight has got to be shortlisted for fight of the year for 2017. Well, that's your call, Nick. We do that at the end of the show. Calm down. All right, you'll put the shortlist out and people will vote on it. But you are right, it probably will be. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but that controversy of Adelaide Bird, how do, you, how do you give 10 rounds to Canelo in that fight? You don't. How do you? If you're a cheat. <laughs> The only way you do it. <laughs> it was 115, 113 all day long, mate, weren't it? Come on. Even, Absolutely. even I can see that, and I can't fuck it. I need glasses to drive, mate. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Mm. Um, in other news, um, we've just mentioned our boy there, Darren Till. I know that we've we've gone crazy about Darren on this show. He's been on the show. He's presented we're allowed the to, show. though, because we, we were going nuts about him in 2016, and yeah, everyone we was were. going, who are yeah. you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were. 
So because um, he had his coming out party in 2017, and now everyone else is on the bandwagon, mate, we drive the fucking wagon. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go, down until uh, Gdansk, Poland. It was Cowboy Saron. It was the one that everybody said that he couldn't do. Fucking hell, could he do it? He just turned up yeah. and did the business. Tore this is where up. I belong, baby. Tore him up. Exactly, and set him up now incredibly for 2018. Hopefully that fight with Wonderboy, which is the one most fights and Darren wants, number one contender in the 170 division in the UFC. Mm. If that fight happens, maybe London in March, but maybe a little bit late, later in the year, even in Liverpool. But there's something a bit special going on with Darren Till and something a bit special going on in his hometown, certainly in terms of MMA crowds as well. So uh, it's been a good year for mixed martial arts around my neck of the woods, but I genuinely feel like we're only just getting started with this kid. Mm. Uh, regarding uh, AJ, because he was in a fight of the year contender in April. Yep. He then rolls into Cardiff, 78,000 tickets to be sold against Kubrat Pulev originally. He pulls out, then you're taking on Carlos Takam. The average man on the street don't know who they are, and that's not disrespect, but they don't. And you go to an AJ fight these days, and it is like the average man on the street. It is the Tawi crowd. That's mm. who it is. These are just guys purely turning up for Anthony Joshua. Yeah. That's all they're asked people, about. Again, people want to say in 30, 40 years' time, I was there, Jordan was right, while he was the greatest heavyweight on the planet. I went to XYZ fight. Mm. People want a part of that history now. They can see it. Mm. And I think that's what you get with Anthony Joshua now. You're not just going to a boxing match. You're going to a part of history. It doesn't matter who he's fighting. He's on this journey to become the greatest heavyweight of his generation. And as I say, as I said earlier, you know, the most financially uh, viable boxer of his generation as well. He will become the biggest star in world boxing categorically. So people want a slice of that pie now because, again, come back into 2018, we're going to be lucky to see Anthony Joshua fight in this country for a couple of years because he'll be in America in an, an absolute boatload of cash. So I think fans understand that and they want to be there. They want to be in the crowd. doesn't matter who he fights and... On that night as well, I loved that performance. I thought that was a brilliant performance. Mm. I thought Takam proved himself to have absolutely the bollocks to be at that level. And I'd love to see Takam come out of that now with some kind of reward uh, in terms of a big fight for him in 2018 because he absolutely turned up. But AJ, you know, this kid came to win. He was tough as old boots. And AJ once again proved that he's got the ability to, to change his game plan mid-fight and to win and to win convincingly. Yo! Big Shaq, the one and only. Man's not hot. Let's get ready to rumble! Boom! Two plus two is four. Minus one, that's three quick maths. Every day, man's on the block. Smoke trees. The thing about it, a king don't chase a peasant. King chase kings. I want Joshua. Does that mean you won't have another fight until it's Anthony Joshua? What's the plan if he doesn't give you that fight? If he don't give me that fight, then we got other other plans, other roots that we have. You know, they trying to give me a peasant, as in Dylan White, but they don't want to put Joshua on that contract. Why should I go to England to fight a peasant with, without the king on the contract? You know, king don't chase peasants, like I said. You know, we throw we throw lettuce at him and spoiled tomatoes at him. He can eat that. But the world won't Joshua. All right, well, let me, Wilder. All right, let me ask I want Joshua. Joshua, come and see me, baby. Well, if no he more hiding. No more ducking. No more dodging. No more excuses. 
Let's make the fight happen. Let's see who's the best. I know I'm the best. Are you up for the test? Take off your jacket. I said, babe, man's not hard, never hard. Vasily, that's four guys that don't come out of their corner in a row. What's your new nickname? Maybe I change my second name. Maybe I change it. And now my name is Nomaschenko. <laughs> All right. I've beaten enough dog meat now. Golovkin, you keep saying you want my WBO belt when I was 14 stone out of shape and wasn't in love with boxing. Then you wanted to fight me. Fight me now. Now fight me. We'll see a different story because you'll be punching fresh air. Boom. The thing goes. Now, if the year started with a little bit of a buffer, it most certainly ended with a little bit of a buffer. Thank God for Billy Joe Saunders, that's all I'll say. Anyway, let's get into it. Deontay Wilder baptised Bermain Stavern within a round uh, to send a message across the Atlantic. Carl Frampton made hard work of Horatio Garcia uh, in his homecoming. However, Zelani Tete stole the show and maybe gets himself in for knockout of the year. Liam Smith and Liam Williams uh, went at it again. Uh, the former winning by majority decision. Josh Taylor finished off a very impressive year by stopping Miguel Vazquez. Fairy tales only happen in the movies, not in the ring. Miguel Cotto found out uh, this by losing his world title to Saddam Ali on his final ever fight. However, they do happen in the octagon. Four years out, he was back. GSP returned to defeat our very own middleweight champion, Michael Bispin. That happened in the third round. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we were speaking about Guillermo Rigondeau quite a lot, weren't we? He left a sour taste in the mouth as he quit on his stool uh, with a bruised hand against uh, our own pound-for-pound very best boxer on the planet, Vasil Lomachenko. Hours earlier, James DeGale's nightmare year got a whole lot worse as he lost his IBF world title. And probably the most viral picture of the year belongs to Stephen Smith, oh, God. who later on on the same night... Um, was walking around with a floppy ear in his fight against Francisco Vargas. Disappointing start to the year, disappointing end to the year, mm-hmm. but we're just going to put the cherry on top of the cake. The best British performance abroad by an absolute country mile of the year, Billy Joe Saunders, mate. He was awesome. Yeah, of course. And uh, anyone that listens to our boxing show, obviously, from early in the week and it has waxed lyrical no end about Billy Joe's performance over in Canada. You can hear us eating some serious humble pie about that one because we both thought he was going to struggle. Billy Joe, hats off, phenomenal, steals the show, best British overseas performance of 2017, without question. Um, but to come back to the one fightier name there, and we, we've done a review of 2017, and, and his name hasn't even passed my lips yet, and yet he's the greatest pound-for-pound boxer walk on the planet right now. Vasil Lomachenko, you know, we should really... If the, if these awards that yeah. were given out here had a name, yeah. surely we call them the Lomas or the Vassils? Well, I was looking back at last year's nominees and uh, people that ended up winning categories and various things like mm-hmm. that. Lomachenko was nominated last year as well in our Fighter of the Year. He didn't win it because yep. people went for Connor and they went for Carl Frampton mainly. Yep. And that's mainly because they didn't necessarily know too much about Lomachenko. We've been going crazy about Lomachenko for a good 18 months to two years now yep. on this particular show, ever since he turned professional. Um, and maybe last year it came a little bit too soon for people that were voting on that. 
I don't think there's going to be much argument to have him in there as fighter of the year this year. Absolutely. For the amount of kids that have retired on the trot against him. Four now. He is. It's a game changer. Multi-weight world champion. He's, he's only he's, had 11 fights. Only 10 fights, 11 fights. He's absolutely a game changer in boxing. And now people are starting to cotton onto it. And now you're getting a lot more people who uh, are just boxing fans that don't claim to be, you know, boxing purists that may perhaps can't see the technical ability between a lot of fighters. They just tune into to big fights. But even even those type of fans now are looking going, what? Have you ever seen anyone like this before? And I'm like, no, mm. no, this this guy's changed the game. His footwork, his output, his ring navigation, his ring smart, his IQ in there. Everything about this guy is different than what we've seen One before. One thing that he needs to do, mate, is get really fluent in English. Yeah. And that's no disrespect. And I, I've said this about Canelo in the past. Get really fluent in English, then you'll transcend. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But he gets it. The social media, he gets it. Mm. That's a big thing now with this, yeah, yeah, this yeah. day and age of social media. He's got a bit his of social media, him, yeah. Exactly. His social media output, output is on point, as you say, if he learned to communicate better. But listen, I'm sure he's got a, link, a, a, a full-time English teacher working with him now, trying to get him up to speed. Because that's the one, the only thing that's missing in his global game. is the Because he's got it. He's got a, there's something about him. He's got personality about yeah, him. Bags of it. You know, fucking hell, as soon as Rigondo quits, you're going to have to rename me now. Fucking no Maschenko. It's like, come on, he's knocked out the park there. But that performance for me rubber-stamped what was a phenomenal year for this kid. Mm. And now you feel like he's conquered everybody. This sounds weird, but everyone he's supposed to conquer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's gone up to super featherweight and you've gone physically, your stature, probably as high as you should go. You've beat everybody that is below at your weight and below. 2018, when he goes up to lightweight, that's, and um, you see him standing next to Mikey Garcia's and uh, and uh, Jorge Linares and maybe even the Terence Crawford's of this world, that's when he's going to look like the small guy and that's when you're going to think, fucking hell, okay, we're stretching it a bit now, but that's when he's going to come into his own. I think the better the opponent, the better the performance. He's been phenomenal so far, but we are just getting started. And in 10 years' time, when we're looking back and people are going... Ali Lomachenko. Stop it. Ali Lomachenko. You know, culturally, he will never compete with Ali. Ali, what he did outside the boxing ring means he will never be touched. But technically, in terms of just pure boxing ability and ring smarts, this kid's the best we've ever seen. You might just be a boxing fan listening to this. If you're not a UFC fan, then luckily for you, we're going to recommend something for you because it's still available to download. Go and have a little bit of a nosy online if, uh, on a BT uh, subscription or maybe even on YouTube. Just type in UFC 217 because this happened on November the 4th. Now, of course, I just referred to it. It was the comeback of George St. Pierre against our boy Bispin and it didn't go our boy's way. However, on that card, for the first time in UFC history, three new world champions were crowned. If we were to advertise the UFC, if we were to say to you, you've never watched UFC before? Come and watch this. This would be the show that we would put right in front of you and say, there's your popcorn, go and enjoy yourself. Cody Garbrandt, TJ Dillashaw, my girl, Joanna Champion, getting beat. What? What? Getting beat off Rose Namakunis. And she didn't just get beat, she got absolutely starched. It is amazing to watch. Go and watch those three title fights because that, for me, was the highlight of the UFC year, UFC 217. Would you go with that? 
Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and you know what? It has been a weird year for the UFC, as you it's say. It's been a poor year. It took, it took so Dude, long to get started. And in all the best brilliant. bits have come with a fucking asterisk. John Jones and fucking, you know, Anderson Silva failing more tests and shit like that. It's been like two steps forward and three steps back with the UFC mm. this year. But then as we got to 217, and it kind of sneaked up on us a little bit as well. Mm. But what a fucking card. One of the greatest cards in the history of the sport. No, it was absolutely sensational. Definitely, definitely go and check it out. This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store. Now then, this is where we want your interaction. We're going to put this all on our Twitter feed. All we want you to do is vote. Uh, Myself and Nick will have a little bit of a spitball now of some of the fights that we should be putting on this particular list, and then it's up to you. If you want to nominate something as well, you could change our minds. So ping it our way at Fight Disciples on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're going to start with our fight of the year. Now, bear in mind, the way that we do it on Fight Disciples is that we throw everything in, boxing and UFC. It all goes into the same pot. It's the same entertainment factor. That's what we're relying on, all right? And you've just got to tell us where we're at when it comes to fight of the year. Fight of the year last year, won by an absolute country mile, was Dillian White, Derek Chisora's heavyweight clash in Manchester. It beat the likes of Robbie Lawler and Carlos Condit from the world of UFC. Uh, So what is going to come out top of the shop this year? I'm going to go with my first nominee. Are you ready? Yep. It's got to go in. We've mentioned it already. April was the best month, mainly because we won an award in April. AJ Klitschko has to go in. It's got to be in fight of the year for me. Yeah, it has. There's no no doubt about it. That's got to be in there. It was phenomenal. One of the best heavyweight fights we've seen. And how amazing it would be if we had consecutive years a heavyweight fight winning fight of the year. Oh. Just shows you how strong the heavyweight division has become again in mm. terms of fan appreciation, you know, in a, for, for a long period you would never have got a heavyweight fight in the mix. But now, no, categorically, got to go in there. Can I throw one in as well? Go on. You can, mate, it's your show. Listen, it's not just my voice. Go on, son. I'm going to throw one in as well that I thought was outstanding. Again, we mentioned Is this boxing it. or is this UFC? This what is boxing. Talking? I'm going to okay. stick with boxing. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, and I'm going to go with Canelo versus Triple G. All right. I can't get away from the fact the that The other that super was fight. The other big different super reasons, fight. Different year. reasons why that was brilliant. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And it came, you know, they were they were... In, in succession, really. We had that fight in the spring, this fight in the summer. Um, and I just think that for all the for all the fact that it was overshadowed by the Mayweather-McGregor thing and that probably it was the wrong way round, too many fans watched that and not enough fans watched this, this still lived up to the hype. And Ad- for even though Adelaide Bird tried the best to fuck it up, mm. for me, this was the best most competitive and most eagerly anticipated 12 rounds of boxing we got in 2017. Does Hair Bellew get in there for you? It's hard not to see Hair ah! Bellew. But, <laughs> but then, you know... Are we just being biased? Yeah, I think we probably are. I try and play devil's advocate here in, in the fact that, hey, picked up an injury. You know, can we pick a fight of the year from... But, a- it, was, but it was captivating viewing. It you, was You didn't entirely. turn away, did you? You didn't turn away from exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. And that made it fascinating. And, and it... And it Landed on a global scale, but uh, do you put Conor Ben's little knock in from last week? Because that, that was, was an absolute fight. beauty, wasn't it? Yeah, there's been quite a few small hall shows that have absolutely been phenomenal. But yeah. I think because Fight Disciples is a is a global show, I think we've got to try and stick to the the biggest fights because they're the they're the ones that most people have seen. Okay, I'm going to put a, a UFC fight in there. Okay, I know that I uh, wax lyrical about UFC 217 and how good that was as an overall spectacle for the shocks. But if you look at it, fight-wise, there was nothing better for me than Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje at UFC 218. 
that for me has to go in. If you're going to introduce someone to a to a, a fight of the year contender, something that gets people excited about the UFC, I think you need a back and forth. Yeah, and the back and forth of the year for me was this little bad boy. It was beautiful. That's a cracking choice, and it's tough to compete with as well. Obviously, the highlight reel, Justin Gaethje, phenomenal. And you could have even even had in the summer his fight against uh, Johnson, his UFC yeah, debut as, good, as well. Yeah. That was an absolute fucking belter of a fight. You know, I'm going to stick with what I've just said a few minutes ago in terms of being the biggest fights, i.e., title fights. And for me, there's two that deserve top billing. Romero against Robert Whittaker, I thought nice. was an absolutely brilliant fight from July. And Aldo versus Holloway when Aldo... First one or second one? The first one from June, because Holloway really emerged in that fight. And it was a, it felt like the passing of the torch yeah, from the one, s- one generation to the next. But the second one proved that it weren't a fluke. But the second one was a masterclass by Holloway. That's a potential performance of the year. Mm. Fight of the year. It could be fighter the of the year. The first fight was it? like 3-2. It was 3-2. Do you know what I mean? Aldo won a couple of rounds. Holloway won three rounds. So I, I picked that fight out, out. I think most fans as well who, who look below the main cards won't deny that uh, Derek Lewis against um, against Travis Brown from February, start of the year as well, fight, was a fucking absolute shit show of a war too. So I'm going to throw that one in there as well. Okay. We, we haven't forgot about Chocolatito from earlier on in the uh, year when he was beaten by Srisaket. Uh, Rung of a sigh. It was an absolute cracking fight. But this is open to you. You vote for him and then we'll come up with our final four, all right? At Fight Disciples, what is your fight of the year? Do ping it our way. We'll put the uh, poll up on our uh, Twitter feed over the next week or so once we've collated everything. Fighter of the year. You've just added another one to my list there two minutes ago, talking about Max Holloway. I think he's got to be in, hasn't he? God, yeah. He's become the champ by beating the main champ of years and years and years and then backed it up by doing it all over again. Yeah. He's the boy in that weight division. He's got to be in there for fighter of the year this year. Absolutely. You know, he's proved himself to be the best featherweight walker on the planet right now. As you say, ended the uh, ended the the run of a or the the re emergence, if you like, of of the greatest featherweight the sport's ever seen. Then rubber stamped that performance as well. Uh, he really is the future of this featherweight division. And are you going to do it? Are you going to go as uh, still sticking with the UFC? You've got Max Holloway. Are you going to mention DJ? Are you going to do it, mate? He's had a wonderful year. Is he going to get in there? I'm not putting him in my list. <laughs> You can put him in your list Demetrius if you want to. Johnson has to get a little bit of a nosy, doesn't he? He's got to have a tip of the cap as Demetrius Johnson for think, what he's achieved this year. I think we've got to mention him. All right, he's mentioned. Move on. But in, in terms of, yes, he's had two fights this year. Yes, they've both been submission wins. he confirmed wins. the record. He confirmed his streak. Yeah, okay. Okay. Against who? Against lower level. Look opposition. at him. Why is he looking at it? He's just trying to talk. I can't. Listen, ignore Nick. He's trying to talk you out of it. This is your show. You yeah, tell exactly. us what you, you think tell is us, yeah. fighter of the year. Uh, regarding boxers of the year, I am going to chuck in Ryan Burnett. I think he's been brilliant this year, mate. He becomes world champ. And then he has a history making that in Ireland. Superb. For, for me, the best British boxer of 2017, Ryan Burnett, hands down. World champ. Unifies the division. Phenomenal talent. Um, I originally thought, oh, God, he could be my young bo- young fighter of the year, actually. But uh, I noticed he's like 25, 26, so he, I, that rules him out. But, uh, but yeah, Ryan Burnett categorically has got to go in there. Listen, we're putting Lomachenko in. There ain't no arguing. Lomachenko is going in. Right. Ain't going to debate it. We don't need to debate it. Lomachenko is going to go in. But do you know who else is going in? Go on. Rung Versailles. You cannot say best fight of the year without putting in uh, Tsorung Versailles after ending... 
the pound for pound reign of Chocolatito, not once, but twice. Knocking him out second Proved time. the first time wasn't a fluke by knocking him out the second time. Exactly what Max Holloway did to Jose Aldo. Hmm. So he's got to go in there as well. Okay. Josh Taylor? Mm. Not on a world level. So does he for fall me, off? I think young boxer, prospect of the year, that's kind of where I'm thinking Josh Taylor for me. He's had a great year though, he's had, he? a, he's had a phenomenal year. But he's not been beaten world champions. Okay. He's not emerged on a global All right. scale. All right. I think Boxer of the Boxer of the Year beckons for Josh Taylor 2020, 2021. Okay. All right then. All right then. But I, I don't think he makes my list. Dimitri Bivol. Shout. Could make it. Mikey Garcia. Absolutely. Vladimir and Broner he's done this year. Yeah. I, I, Multi-weights. Come on, man. He's yeah. going to be on the list, hasn't he, Mike? He's had a good year. Looks well. He's had, <laughs> looks the part. He does look the part. He'd, he'd look well in a tuxedo picking this up. This one's going to hurt. Go on. Rose Namajunas. Come on, man. We were told that Joanna Dudryzek was going to completely and utterly dominate this sport forever. Blah, blah, blah. She was the future. She was the greatest female mixed martial artist we've ever seen. Mm. She's going to go up and unify the flyweight division as well. Mm. Rose, man, she gets... Don't forget, she starts the year by getting in there with Michelle Waterson in April. Starches Michelle Waterson, submits her in the second round, then goes into a title fight with Joanna Jadrizek. We're all told Rose can't live with her. Rose has not, no chance. You've got the build-up where, Nami, where uh, <clears throat> Jadrizek was in her face and spitting at her and calling her for everything. Rose was standing there, mumbling the Lord's Prayer to herself. She gets in there and she beat the shit out of the champion. All right. What a performance. Right. Talk about performance of the year. Yeah. In UFC terms, hard to look past that from Rose Namajunas. <laughs> Got to be an outsider for fight of the year too. Nah, she's not going on the list. I'm not, I'm not putting it on. Uh, so there you go. If you've got a suggestion for Fighter of the Year, please ping it our way. At Fight Disciples. Send it in. Um, knockout of the Year. Are you ready to roll? Let's go. I've got some big suggestions here now for Knockout okay. of the Year. Here we go. Knockout of the Year. I know I've mentioned him on many occasions already in this show, but Garcia's knockout of the Seaching in was brilliant in January. It was absolutely outrageous. It was frightening. I think you've got to put in Eubank Jr.'s knockout of Yildirim, haven't we, in the World Boxing Super Series? Yeah. That was a knockout, wasn't it? That was a belter. That was an absolute screamer. However, we're going to get on to other ones, of course. Yeah. I'm going to encourage you now to just vote for one of what I'm about to say. Because for me, there has not been a better knockout than what I'm about to tell you. Big Francis Ngannou against Alistair Overeem. Yeah. He's still flying. When he took flight. Overeem is still flying. He's hitting that hard. Come on. Let's not play games here now. In fact, we don't even need any other nominees, do we? We just need to give him the award. We, are we giving Big Frank the award for knockout of the year? Because it's an absolute beaut, isn't it? It was absolutely phenomenal. And anyone that hasn't seen it, um, you've got to go and just Google that knockout right now because there's something about heavyweights as well. When heavyweights get knocked out, <sighs> it adds that extra element, isn't it? You can't look past the fact that these are the biggest dudes walking the planet. And so you've got to kind of... It adds an extra dimension to it. There's nothing we can do about that. You've just got to appreciate it for what it is. There's been some other awesome ones in the UFC. Barbosa's knockout of Dariush was phenomenal. Paul Daly's knockout of Mariah's last week. Frightening. The that knee. was crazy. Uh, and don't forget Aaron Pico's knockout. Remember that guy in, in Bellator? Yeah, did. When he rocked them back and then hit him with that left uppercut, but yeah. from range as well. Phenomenal knockout. They, they will dominate the... Uh, World MMA Awards knockouts for this year, I guarantee it. Back to boxing. Go on. What about Dortikus' knockout 
Yes, 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 yes. Against the Super Shock Series, in yeah. the World Boxing Super Series. That was brilliant. Uh, and I also, we, you know, we can't look past the fact, because he's cleaning the sport up. He's a one-man fucking drug-cheat clean-up machine. But Bronze Bombers knockout of Stavane. Mm. Mate, that was just fucking cool. Because he just dis- absolutely destroyed him in a round. And if we're going to talk about knockouts, we can't finally doth our cap and go, Anthony Joshua's knockout of Klitschko, which, which was, of mm. course, phenomenal just because of the moments and the magnitude of it. Uh, Jamel Charlo's two coach games. Oh, man. He's done... He's the Charlo done, boys. He's done Haitley, and yeah. he's done uh, Ericsson Lubin with near enough the same shot. It's beautiful, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Anyway, this is... Shit, there's been so many, actually. <laughs> absolutely a kit one. By the way, last year, Canelo won with his... Uh, Knockout of Amir Khan. I think it was because it was on Amir Khan that you voted yeah. for it, right? You cheaty rats. Crazy thing is, um, now he's got that many supporters, Amir Khan. He probably wouldn't be. Uh, he probably wouldn't be selected for something like it that. It was a he? good knockout, though. He put into Kip, didn't he, last year? Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's up to you. Whatever you want, you can go for a boxing one. You can go for a UFC one. But you're going to go for Francis Ngannou, of course yeah. you are. <laughs> yeah. It was absolutely outrageous. Uh, so get that tweeted to us as well at Adam Catterall. Now, before we get on to our prospects of the year, because this is a big thing for me, and Nick, we like bragging rights, obviously. I'm champion at the moment. Uh, but um, we wa- we just want to talk about fights that we might want to see in 2018. Stuff that we want uh, matchmakers. Yeah. We're going to attempt to do a little bit of matchmaking. We'll do now, job for you. For the last two years, we've been saying that we'd like to see Amir Khan and Kel Brook. I'm getting bored now. I can't be arsed with it, to be fair. Um, so, therefore, I'm going to go into the welterweight division, first of all. This is international is where I'm going to go, first of all. All right. Yeah. Um, Terence Crawford's going to fight uh, Jeff Owen. We know that. He's his mandatory. He's going to become the WBO champion. Yeah. Then I want him to unify straight away. No fucking about. Let's not mess about. Now, there's some great fights in there. There's Thurman, Garcia's, Porters, all those types of boys. Let's not mess about. Let's get the best of the best. Errol Spence Jr., Terence Crawford. Bada bing, bada boom, do it. Shit, that's a great fight, you know. Isn't it? That's a great fight. I would love to see that fight. There's so many in and around that weight division now. Um, for me... When we're talking about super fights, though, you can't, I can't get away from the fact that all roads lead back to Lomachenko for me. Who does he fight, though? Because um, he's at 130 now, so he goes to 135. 135, there's still some cats there. I mean, Garcia could get down there, couldn't he? Absolutely. Linares. I think that's, that's, that's where we're kind of looking at it, is that, that lightweight division, because there's, there's, there's guys there who are, who are snaking around, as you say, Linares is around there and Mikey Garcia. I think if he comes up, you know, someone like Anthony Crawler or Luke Campbell, they, they've got to put themselves in the frame as well. This guy's the best pound-for-pound boxer on the planet and you've got to go, you know what, fuck it, because it's a life-transforming moment to, to get in with someone like this guy, especially if you can do, you know, do the impossible seemingly. But I think him coming up to this lightweight division just adds a whole new texture to it. There's a ch- there's so many challenges out there. I think Linares versus Garcia. That's the one we want to see, of course. But I think if Lomachenko moves up, that that that's for me. That's the problem. You see, you have got this guy who every time he fights just looks phenomenal. That where does he go next? Who do we match him with next? Mm. Does it really matter? We the most important thing is we just fucking keep this guy busy. Mm. If he fights four times in 2017, that would be phenomenal. I think uh, British domestically, we want to see Frampton Selby, don't we? We want to see Absolutely. that. That Absolutely. has to be made at some point because we think we're going to get Selby Warrington. We want Frampton off the back of that. That would yeah. be an absolute crackerjack. I'm going to make a wild prediction now. Genuinely think that there's two lads from these shores that will become world champions next year. Okay. And I think it will be because certain things will align politically. 
and therefore belts will become available and they're in prime position to make things happen. One of which I think is Luke Campbell. Yeah. I think he'll become a world champion next year. Um, and I'm going to go out there now and I think that Barry's going to speed Josh along. I think we're going to get Josh Taylor a world title shot, at least a shot, and I think he's good enough to do it, mate. He's certainly good enough to do it. Um, I, I think you're right. Unfortunately, the, the problem is all these weight divisions are busy now and Mate, there's some fucking great fighters in them, you know. For all the talent he's got, it's the right fight at the right time. Um, come back to Luke Campbell, again, a similar, similar situation to Joss. Yes, I can see him become a world champion in 2018. The problem is, who does he beat to become a world champion? You know, in, the, in that weight class, there's so much talent there. I'd love to see him fight Robert Easter. But Robert Easter's a dangerous, dangerous fighter. Um, I don't think he gets the rematch with Linares anytime soon. I think Linares, Mikey Garcia have already announced they've got fights early in the year and then they'll probably fight later in the year. That's the belt. If I'm- Lomachenko moves up, mm. then Lomachenko becomes the guy in this weight division everyone's going to fight. The hard part now is getting Luke Campbell a world title fight. Yeah, yeah. But if Lomachenko comes up, he's probably going to take WBO roots because he's, that's of his, yeah. of his connections. I personally think that Garcia... Linares will fight at some point next year off the back of the they've both got fights in the in the can those fights out of the way they fight each other I'm going to make a prediction that Garcia wins that fight yeah ve- and then steps up and vacates so you're thinking Lomachenko comes up and fights for the vacant WBO belt which will be left by Terry Flanagan so it'll be a vacant belt uh, you think yeah. Lomachenko will come that route so yes. he'll pick up a vacant so belt so therefore L- Luke Campbell will go WBC route and he'll get in that way when Linares, Garcia happens, Garcia wins, Garcia steps up, vacates the belt, Luke Campbell comes in round the back door at the back end of next year. Yeah. That's where I'm going. Okay. Well, I think you might get a British fighter get a domestic shot before then, and that is someone like a Crawler. I think Crawler's phone will ring for a Lomachenko fight for the WBO belt. I could see that happening. Whether he takes it and whether Joe and the team... You have to take it. It's fucking Lomachenko, man. You know, it is what it is. Listen... The other kid across Manchester, I'm sure the fight's been offered to him, and he's fucking moved up to super lightweight. How bad? He this? wanted no piece of it. This time last year, we were saying we want to see Crawler Flanagan. I know. I'm kind of done with it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's gone. I'm not interested. It, it, no, I'm not interested no more because Terry's decided he wants to move up in weight in weight class for no reason. Well, there is a reason because WBO probably put him under pressure to fight Lomachenko. Mm. So, and he's thought, I don't want a piece of that. So, to save face, I'm just going to move up. <laughs> Uh, so they're the fights that we uh, obviously we want in the heavyweight division. We want to see Anthony Joshua clean up. We want to see we him want to do see Anthony thing. Joshua bronze bomber. We want to see to- uh, Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua back in the 2018. I would love to see Tony Bell. You fight for any version of the world title, even IBO. I'll take IBO. I really don't <laughs> care. No, you know, <laughs> really don't care as long as it's not a fight with Anthony Joshua. I'd love to see Tony Bell. You fight anybody for the world title for sure. Mm. Right, time to get on to it. Our 2018 prospects of the year. You ready for rocking and rolling here now? Do it, man. You went first last year because I listened I back to the show, so I'm going to have to go first this year. Yeah. Okay, seeing as that I'm the champ, it's my privilege. Um, so last year, you uh, announced Robbie Davis Jr. as your prospect of the year. He had a good start to the year, but then it, this, it kind of tailed off. I've no doubt he will be back. We're both big Absolutely. fans of him. He will be back in 2018, no question. My prospect was, of course, Jack Catterall, who became British champion, beating Tyrone Nurse. So congratulations to him. Hopefully he's going to go on to bigger and better things in it 2018. Imagine if we both picked the same weight division again. What if we picked the same guy? Because we've know. not even debated this. I know, yeah. This is, Shit, this yeah. is brand new for Well, us. I've got my guy up on my laptop now. So you know. So if it is the same guy, I can just spin it. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Go. The guy that I'm going for 
is a guy that's actually been on this show previously. All right, okay. All right. So here we go. I'm going to the featherweight division. I'm a big fan in and around featherweight, super featherweight at this moment in time. I think there's a boatload of talent. Now, yeah. if you go I've down... Got, I've got a guy who's a super feather. All right. Can out on the same wavelength. So, so if you go down to featherweight, there's a certain kid that is doing extremely good things out of London. He's knocking kids out for fun at this moment in time. He's been on this show a few times. He's probably one of those that is just on the cusp of the next-gen cards, but hasn't really got all the kudos and the credit that all these Olympians have. Now, of course, there's people listening to this show going, just say Josh Kelly's name. We can't do that because no. it's too obvious. We can't say Boatsy's name. It's too obvious, even though they've only had five and two fights re- respectively. Lawrence O'Callaghan, people like this, we love them. We think they're brilliant. We think they're going to go on to do some good things, but I'm not naming them. <laughs> I know who you're going to go for. But I'm not. It's just twigged now. Just wait. It's right? Just twigged. But I'm not naming them. And the reason why I'm not naming them is because it's too obvious. Anybody can name them. So I'm going to take a chance, mm. right? Because he's untested this good kid. Good kid. He's untested. He's got heavy hands. But he's heavy-handed. And when, you, when you're heavy-handed in this weight category, yeah. you've got a chance. Big time. My prospect of 2018... The Bomber? ...is the Bomber, Reese Bellotti. Yeah, man. That, Good shout. That is where I'm going. All right, mate? Good shout. Come on, Reesey lad, do the business for me. I think it, it magnificent choice. Ten knockouts and eleven straight wins. You know the kid looks the real deal. Only three outings last year. I, I can only read that because I've literally just Google. I've literally just pulled the stats up. But when you said London featherweight, he's been on this show. I was like, I know who the fuck it is now. Kind of kicking myself. Good kid as well. Bags of personality. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'm kicking myself now because it's a great show. To be totally honest with you, uh, I think he's a, a cracking fighter. You know, he's 27. Times. Time it waiting for him. He's got to kick on in 2018. So you're right. He needs to have a he needs to have a title shot early in the year and really push on with his career. I'm talking your guy up now, aren't I? When I really just want to talk up my guy. There you One go. One criticism. Go on. Kind of well known. People know How he is. How is he well known? He's not well known. He's been known. on some decent cards, man. He's not well known. He's been on some decent fucking cards. Compared though. to Josh Kelly and all those guys that are getting that type of credit, I don't think he's well known. He's as well known this time as Jack Catterall was this time last year. Okay. All okay. right. I'll give you that. But Thanks. he's been on he's been on he's a regular on Sky. He's, you know, he's a he's a guy that people know. Why are you doing that? Because my guy, I think people are gonna go, who the fuck is Nick talking about here? Okay. I think my guy's more small hall than this. My guy's earned his stripes a little bit more. And I'm gonna go with a super featherweight. Mm. He fights out of uh well he's originally from Cambridgeshire, but he fights out of a camp that we're familiar with. He's not been on the show. But some of the guys he trains with have been on the show. He's undefeated, 23 years of age. He's, his career actually is 18-0. and 0. So he's had a lot of fights. He's been a pro for quite a few years now. Been a pro for about five years. Uh, but he's not fought for a title, which is part of our prerequisite. And as I say, he's very much a small hall fighter. He's been on in a lot of six-rounders. Um, he's not really broke through to any TV exposure yet. But my prediction is 2018 is going to be a massive year for the thrill, Jordan Gill. Very good. That's my choice. That's my prospect Very of 2018. Good. I knew that you and your mate would bloody be co- coercing someone. He's giving you a tip from inside the gym. <laughs> so this guy trains, if you don't know, he trains out of Dave Caldwell's gym. Yes, he gym does. And if you've been watching our TV series properly with at home with Bomber, he kind of tipped you off <laughs> on that night, you twat. Inside info, son. Yeah. 
Listen, Jordan's only had four stoppages in his 18 wins. You Bags know, of talent, though, hasn't he? But he's got tons of talent. He works like a Trojan. 2018, yeah, he's only young. He's only 23 years of age, but 18 and 0, he's got a kick on. He's with the right trainer now. Uh, you know, listen, he wasn't with the wrong trainer before. He's undefeated fighter. But sometimes you've got to be swimming with the big boys for your career to kick on. He's alongside the big boys now. I'm expecting massive things in 2018. My prospect, Mr. Jordan, the thrill, Gil. And that leaves us nicely to finish off the show. Thank you so much for being with us throughout the whole course of this year. We've got some big things planned for you in 2018. Not only will we be doing more visual stuff, we're also going to be bringing you some more products. Uh, so therefore, that 24-7 boxing UFC experience uh, can live longer throughout the whole course of the week. So make sure you subscribe, first of all, to Fight Disciples and keep an eye on our website, fightdisciples.com. Follow us on all social medias at Fight Disciples on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, thank you very much for all your support this year. Hopefully we'll, we'll be equally as good in 2018. It just leaves us to say thank you very much. Have a wonderful Christmas, wonderful New Year and we'll see you back on January the 9th for the first download of the year. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.